Welcome to another Analytica podcast, this time around with Shane Barker, digital strategist at Shane Barker Consulting and yours truly, Ben. How you doing, Shane? I'm doing awesome, Ben. How are you doing, man? I'm very well. Thanks for taking the time to uh, to speak to us. I know it's early in the morning for you, so uh, I'll ease you in with a, with a nice, easy one. What got you into marketing? Why are you here? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, I, I started off in the marketing space because I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. So when I was, you know, many, many moons ago, I, uh, I was doing, you know, my own, my own businesses online. So I had a company called Hot Pad that was a, had a patent on, it was a reusable heat pack that you could use that we did for prom promotional side of things and also the therapeutic side. So, you know, I, I jumped into this and I was bootstrapping everything and I kind of was trying to figure out like, how am I going to be able to do this on a limited budget, right? I was a college student and, and didn't have the funds and have an investor or anything. So it kind of got me to sit and, you know, I thought, well, shoot, maybe I should take a look at like, what do I need to do online to be able to market this? I mean, this is before there was SEO or at least anybody knew it as SEO. I mean, this was, you know, I don't know, like the 1960s, not really the 60s, but it feels like it was that long ago. Um, and so it was that kind of, that kind of catapulted me into the, the marketing space. I'd always enjoyed sales and marketing. Um, and that's what I was studying in school. Um, and, you know, I mean, at that time, they didn't even have, we didn't even have a course on online. I mean, there wasn't like, I mean, as in the sense of like anything that taught you how to, to market things online um, at my college. So that's, I mean, once again, a long, long time ago. Um, and that's kind of how I jumped into it. It was kind of like grinding it out and, and trying different things and built my own website and obviously it's some help from contractors and stuff, but really just going in and, and just spending every day on my business and, and trying to figure out like what was working, what wasn't working. Um, and that's kind of how I how I jumped into the space, definitely on the online space. Sounds awesome, uh, especially if the you know if you had your first website in the '60s. I can definitely see how you're a you're a pioneer in the space. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago, the '60s. I was one of the originals. A lot of people don't know that about me, and I actually wasn't even born. But still, we'll, we'll stick with that. <laughs> so then you you were you were kind of trying trying out strategies on on your own products and and found out firsthand what what was working and what wasn't. So which, uh, which bits of marketing then in your eyes, and especially carrying it through to, uh, to the 2015s, 2017s and 2020s in, in the case of, of our clients, hopefully, uh, which bits do you think work best? Like what part of marketing are you most passionate about? Yeah, I would have to say what, you know, my transition and, you know, beginning, like back then we didn't have it, but, you know, social media obviously was, you know, started to become big. And I started in social media, started doing the SEO side of things and started driving traffic. And then we started doing the conversion side of things. So I think, you know, for me, what works and I think what is going to be the future, obviously, is conversions, right? I mean, that's what everybody cares about. It's like, hey, you're, you're driving some traffic. I'm getting some people there, but how do I convert those people, right? And so that's, my transition over the last, you know, whatever it's been, 18 years, 18 plus years, has been that that segment of social media to SEO to you know, and now conversion based stuff where you're actually on the on the website and you know figuring out what's what's going to be you know help be able to get your your um, conversion rates up and you know be able to do the upsells and the exit strategies and all this different stuff that we work on. But I think the future is obviously going to be conversions. Everybody's going to care about at the end of the day, they're going to care about like, okay, what you're doing, like, are you going to be able to make me some more money, right? That's always kind of the goal online or get me more clients, I think is always the, the, the end goal. So do you, do you see that more as a, as a discipline, like social selling or, or a little bit more removed? I mean, I think it could be a mix of the two, but I think social selling. And once again, you know, one of the reasons why we're talking today is influencer marketing, right? It's that. It's that, that leverage of the idea of people going out and recommending things and talking about um, products that are going to be good for their audience. 
Um, you know, because obviously we all know that people are more willing to, to purchase something if it's recommended based, right? So if you have somebody that's recommending the product, as long as it's genuine and it makes sense, um, that's, I mean, that's the future. I mean, it's, you know, influencer marketing has been around for a long time. It just wasn't called influencer marketing, right? We've always had people, celebrities and stuff that have promoted product um, products. I mean, you've seen it, you know, placement in movies and all this kind of stuff because, you know, it's, it's been around for a little bit, but now it's become mainstream in the sense that, you know, anybody can be, in theory, anybody can become an influencer, right? You can be a yoga studio out of Los Angeles and have a thousand followers, but those are highly engaged followers that love yoga. I mean, that's a that's a very juicy group. Back in the day, we would have to go to forums and there would be other places where we'd find, you know, the mommy bloggers or whatever that may be. Now it's the it's it's really opened up because now anybody, you know, again, with somewhat of a, 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 doesn't have to be a large following, but an engaged following um, can be an influencer and potentially make money from their profile. So it's kind of an exciting time. Absolutely. And I think uh, it's it's democratized the space quite a lot in the sense that anybody can it's about it's about finding a peer just in time. Right. So that doesn't always mean the expert. It doesn't always have to be the you know world champion gymnast because you might not be looking for that level of advice. You might just be looking for advice of someone who got into gymnastics because they wanted to rehab something, let's say. And then there is there is now a space and a market for that, which is something that potentially hasn't really existed in the public space for all that long. Well, and, and they're also accessible. I mean, you hit on a good point. If you're a world-renowned gymnast, in fact, the funny part is I actually have worked with one um, a long time ago. It's a whole other story. But um, the funny part about it is that when you reach out to them, and not to say that gymnasts aren't you know receptive, but problem is they've got everything else going on. They got life and, you know, training and all this kind of stuff. So you're, you're probably not going to be able to get a response back from them. But if you go with a local gymnast or you go with somebody that maybe is, is not an Olympics level, but is really good at, 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 gym, at gymnastics, then you, those people are potentially accessible to you in the sense that if you ask them a question, a lot of times they respond. So it's, it's kind of, it's, you know, if I went and sent a, a message to Snoop Dogg, the, the likelihood, and I don't think Snoop Dogg's a gymnast last time I checked, but him being an example as a, as a celebrity, you know, if he would never, he probably wouldn't respond to me, right? Unless I said, hey, I've got, you know, $100,000 and I want to give you a car or whatever that is, because he's too busy, right? He doesn't deal with the day-to-day -day emails. He's got an assistant and stuff that work on that. Now you can actually get a hold of artists or whatever that may be. And a lot of times they will respond because they're, you know, because it's just, they're, they're, they're going to be more engaged. That's when we talk about the micro-influencers and and they're more apt to once again to respond and to be receptive to, to people reaching out to them and potentially helping as well. Yeah, absolutely. And do you, um, if we, you know, we were just talking about Snoop Dogg and now in my head, I just have images of him, you know, on a trapeze. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think is really doing it right? Like who in the, in the marketing influencer space, let's say, people that you follow examples that you've seen who's hit their sweet spot right like the you know that level between reach but engagement with that followership accessibility to brands the value of what's been delivered in return are there a couple of people that you'd you'd name drop in that context yeah i'm trying to think um i mean it's always so hard to to say i mean i i do think I think the biggest, I can't really think of anybody offhand that I would say, I mean, well, and this is kind of a cliche, but, you know, Gary Vee, I think has done a good, a good job of that in the sense he's in the influencer space, not necessarily repping products. I mean, he might do some stuff, obviously, because he's an investor as, as well. 
Um, you know, I mean, he's always done a great job of, of engagement, of responding to people. I mean, almost every time that I've sent him some type of a message, he's responded. Now, you know, is it really Gary V or is it assistance? I don't know. But either way, at the end of the day, I felt like I got a response. And, you know, and that's one of the biggest issues I think the brands have. And this was you know, an old school uh, issue with social media. Actually, even today, I would say a little bit is that response of being feel like you're being heard. Right. And so that's, you know, that's a that's a whole brand of the brand issue. But, you know, I think Gary Vee has done a good job of that. Um, I mean, there's quite a few influencers that I work with that I think do a good job because we, we train them accordingly. You know, I mean, obviously, if you get 3000 comments in a day, it's, it's very difficult to respond. But it is important that you do respond, that you do respond, you know, in a positive manner, obviously, as well. You don't want to get too much negative engagement. But um, it's important that you do let those people know because, you know, you're going to get more comments, you're going to get more people that are engaging your content if they feel like you are listening and you are seeing it. Um, so, you know, I mean, I have a lot of lifestyle and a lot of um, uh, fitness clients that I work with. And I mean, I could name drop some of those guys and they've done a good job because once again, we've, we've trained them accordingly and said, hey, listen, if you guys want to increase your numbers, you got to talk to the people, right? I mean, if you no different a movie premiere, you have the celebrities that go and they they go and do their movie and guess what happens? They're out signing autographs and they're shaking hands and kissing babies. I mean, that's an important process, this whole thing, the engagement side of things, especially with social media today. I mean, who doesn't like to have a good picture with, you know, whoever it is, the, you know, the lead singer of a band or somebody that is a, you know, a movie star and take a picture. What do they do? They put it all over their social media. I mean, it's a way to really amplify your image and really, you know, kind of, once again, kind of, kind of keep yourself relevant out there through social media and through influencer marketing. Yeah, as, as the kids say these days, picks or it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it, right? It's a, it's a, I mean, I'm, I can't imagine, and I'll, I'll just speak for myself, and you don't have to plead guilty, but I don't know what back in the day if we would have had social media and some of the stuff I was uh, out there having a good time. God knows what kind of pictures would be out there. I'm, I'm glad that we didn't have it at that time for just safety reasons for everybody. Yeah, pol- politics in 10 to 15 years are going to be very different to today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely evolving currently. I mean, man, it's it's you just never know what's going to happen with social media, you know, always, always around the corner. Yeah. So if we flip that on its head, so we were talking about individuals just now, let's, uh, let's flip that to brands and, uh, and to companies that you may have seen do some really good stuff in, in the recent past. What's what stood out for you? I mean, these could be observations, positive or negative, they don't have to be individual campaigns, but uh, just things that that are out of the ordinary, you think? Yeah, I think when it comes to the the brands, I mean, we've seen, um, I've seen Puma do a great job. They've been doing an awesome job. I think um, Spartan Race has been, or Spartan, but Spartan, I think, has done an awesome job. They've done a, um, they're actually running some stuff with a, a company called Scoutsy right now that I was just thoroughly impressed. I actually had interviewed the, um, the CEO, Tom Kwan, and they're doing some amazing things over there just in the sense of, you know, one of the biggest issues in the influencer space has been like how do we figure out ROI, right? How do we know what's going on? I mean, I one of my biggest clients, Zoe Rodriguez, the, the way that I got into the influencer space about four years ago, one of the biggest issues is that we would go out and do these, um, these not really ads, I mean, I guess they were ads, they were ads, but they weren't through any kind of influence. I mean, they weren't through Instagram's platform. They were done through Excel spreadsheets and apps and stuff. And I would talk to influencers and say, hey, we want to, you know, would you do these before and after pictures of Zoe? And we would kind of put this whole thing together. Or, hey, do you want to do Zoe's program? And, you know, track the results and we'll, you know, pay you for that. So we, we started off doing that. And one of the biggest issues with it was, well, it was awesome because for every dollar we were spending, there was probably $5 of revenue, which from a client's perspective is awesome. But from a marketing perspective, I didn't really know like where the revenue was coming from. Because if I put up, I do 10 different posts or I get 10 different posts put up in a day, 
because Instagram only has one link, who was the person that was driving that was moving the needle, right? And you don't know that. And I'm paying everybody different amounts of money for, you know, so it's, it's just was difficult from a marketing perspective. And Scoutsy, what I've seen them do with Spartan Race, because I've been really staying up on it and talking with them, um, is just absolutely incredible. Because once again, they, they've taken the affiliate side of things and they've, they've added that factor in there. So now what it is is like a, an affiliate program for e-commerce, but we have you know, these ambassadors or micro-influencers with Spartan, which are obviously highly engaged people. I mean, you know, Spartan, people that run the Spartan races, I don't know if you guys have that in the UK, but the Spartan races here are like, I mean, these people pretty much like fight wolves and stuff, not really, but they're like these people like go and get a tattoo after they run through like electrical currents and jump through water. And, you know, once again, they're, they're just like, you know, when you look at their, their, their profiles, they're just very, they're motivational, right? They're the people that are out there hustling and doing this and sweating and in mud. And, you know, it looks like, wow, it's a real, real, it's kind of a crazy situation, you know? So they have a very engaged audience and, and Scoutsy has helped them once again. I know their, their numbers because I've talked with Tom a number of times and interviewed him. I mean, it's like in five months, they've done almost $800,000 um, through all affiliate marketing. It's an ambassador program, but it's an affiliate marketing program that they put together. I mean, that, they weren't seeing those kind of numbers before, but because they woke up their audience, all because of influencer marketing, because these, these people were obviously watching this, looking at the content from all of the other ambassadors, and they didn't really have an opportunity to purchase anything. Now, when Scoutsy came along and offered that link and said, hey, now you can you know, click on this page and it'll look just like it does on Instagram, and now you can actually purchase products, um, it just was revolutionary. So I would, I would have to say you know, Spartan was a, another good example of that. Puma has done awesome things. I know they're heavy in India. I've got a client that's a Bollywood star, um, and she's done some amazing things, and they've done some really cool stuff, just content, the content side of things that where once again, it's more of an organic where you have the, the brand and the influencer that are putting in time and putting up with really, for putting in awesome, uh, putting out awesome content that, you know, once again, isn't real salesy, but um, is, you know, once again, shows the, 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 the gen, you know, that the influencer is using the product and obviously that it's a, that it's a, a good fit there. Yeah, cool. And do you, um, now obviously those are very highly visual, Instagrammable, kind of in, in the case of obstacle racing, fairly inclusive kind of subjects. How do you think that those approaches translate to, you know, not, not to pass judgment one way or the other, but to slightly more cerebral subjects, things more in the business space, something that you can't necessarily photograph yourself with, like a SaaS platform, for example, or a productivity tool or an app? Yeah, I think there's ways to do that. I mean, you know, if we're if we're talking about Instagram, obviously Instagram is very lifestyle, very visual, right? So, I mean, that's going to be, I think when you take a look at the influencer and you take a look at the brand, you have to figure out where you're going to place those people, right? So for me, if it was something like a SaaS product, I mean, there's plenty of people that can, that can still vouch for the product and talk about using the product. Just depends on what that SaaS product is. Um, you know, obviously just to take a picture of a screenshot of, you know, XYZ SaaS company and put it up there and say, oh my God, I love this. I love these guys. And it just doesn't feel real genuine right now. If you have somebody that is heavy in the technical space and people, you know, believe in, in what they, what they, what they say in the sense that they review products, they work, review SaaS products. Um, and then, you know, then they vouch for it. Then those are the kind of people you want to find. So, you know, when we, when you talk about the influencer space and brands and some brands are like, well, I don't, you know, I don't think that, you know, the influencer space is for me and, and I'm not saying it's for everybody, but I can tell you that you just have to be creative on, on who you're looking for. Right. So and when you talk about influencers and that kind of stuff, there's there's a niche or there's a space for almost anything. 
Um, and you just got to find out where those people are at. Now, once again, if you like own a local car repair company, that might be a little bit harder, but it's not impossible. You got to get creative. There's plenty of people. There's probably 50 to 100, if not more, profiles out there that talk about um, cars, that talk about whether it be Chevy, Toyota, whether it be, you know, Lexus, whether it be, um, you know, whatever that is, there's there's a space where you just got to go and find it and make sure that it's a good fit for whatever your brand is. So, you know, that's that's one of the biggest, I think, misnomers, one of the biggest issues is finding that right influencer, right? And obviously, you guys' is, you guys' platform does exactly that, right? If you guys are looking for a certain niche or a certain brand or looking for a certain type of influencer, Analytica does that. You can go and you guys have the discovery, the tools, and you guys have a number of different things. So I can go and find that exact influencer and then take a look at the demographics and, and see, you know, and then obviously out, do the outreach as well and see if it's a good fit, negotiate a deal, and then, you know, get some influencer marketing going. Yeah. And I think it's uh, easier, I think, if you have a smaller business, but I think there's a lot about being genuine and being a little bit a little bit exposed in the way that you that you deal with influencers because it's, journalists are used to receiving a large amount of spin right and their their job is basically yeah. to pick through the bits that they know are interesting to get to the core of the issue i'm not sure if influencers are that savvy or that patient with uh, with the the companies that approach them and so I think that it's for a lot of companies, it's, it's slightly daunting to, to have that level of, of humanity as part of their, of their approach and, you know, show that A, they don't know everything and B, that they have tried to learn enough about the person that they're trying to contact to, to make a genuine connection between, between company and influencer. And I'm with you 100% on that. I think one of the biggest issues and one one place that I spend a lot of time is consulting with with brands. Obviously, to once again, when you talk about the outreach and you talk about how you're going to connect with an influencer. Now, you have to remember these influencers, they're not natural marketers, right? I mean, these are people that for whatever reason have have gotten some kind of um, some traction, some gotten, you know, developed out their communities, developed out their following. And that doesn't mean that they necessarily know what they're doing either, right? So that's the thing is you, you have to assume just because you go to an influencer and say, hey, I'm XYZ company, you know, I'm a yoga company out of Los Angeles and you do yoga, like let's connect. That doesn't mean that the, the yogi is necessarily going to know what they should be posting. They might know what content their, their, their audience likes. But once again, there's, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen there. And that's once again, this is assuming this is we're running past the get to know stage, right? The rapport stage of like where you actually get somebody's attention. And now you guys can talk about pricing and long-term strategy and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that's important with this whole thing is it's not just a, you got to be really careful with the emails that you're sending out of just like, Hey, it sounds like you just want to do a, you know, a one-time deal. Hey, it's going to be 500 bucks for a post or something like that. Because what's going to happen there is, is a, you're just, you're just going and purchasing a one-time deal. And really what I recommend with brands is that you really have to develop that rapport with the influencer. And I would do a long-term deal with them. Right. Or, I mean, maybe do one or two and see how the results are. But the problem is, you know, how marketing is it, it takes seven or eight times for people to start reacting to stuff. Right. To be able to go out and actually make that purchase. Influencer marketing is a little more aggressive in the sense that I don't think it takes seven or eight times for somebody to react. If I have, you know, whatever, I'm a big fan of X, Y, Z person and they put this product up, then I'm probably going to be more apt to potentially go and and um, and, you know, and go take a look at that product. Right. Because it's some type of a recommendation. But the key is, is, is building that rapport. It's not, if you treat it as a one-time 
deal. If you if you're going to dinner with somebody, right, and you say, hey, listen, if if your message across as you guys are having dinner is like, hey, we're probably only going to go to dinner once. How much time is she going to really put into that relationship, right? She's not going to go. God, I think I want to have you know a family with Shane because he said he wants to go to dinner with me at least once. Right? I mean, that's where you really have to look at this thing, right? I mean, you you are you making that commitment? Like, where are you at with this? I mean. I've had influencers that in the beginning, I don't negotiate on price too much. I mean, I do a little bit, depends on salary. I mean, depends on budget, but I've never asked for that much of a cheaper price unless they're outlandish because what I usually do is I build rapport. I'll pay them, I'll pay them. Then I'll say, hey, listen, now that we've got this thing established, let's look at a long-term deal. Let's look at something a little longer because we obviously want to spend our time with you. We're going to invest in you. You can invest with us um, and we make it a win-win situation because a lot of these brands, if, if you make it a monetary situation, if you make it of like, hey, I have Ben that pitched me and said 500 bucks and Shane pitched me at 700 and we're on the same playing field because there's no rapport, I'm gonna pick the $700 one in theory, right? I mean, assuming we have a similar product and it's gonna fit for my audience. So that's where you have to be very careful. You have to make sure that you're going in and you know, people are gonna say, well, how do you build rapport, right? I mean, how do you just send an email and build rapport? I, I always say everybody, I get the emails all day long of, hey, Shane, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? What about flipping that and telling, asking people how you can help them, right? Hey, Shane, I see that you, once again, you're part of this yoga shop, blah, blah, blah. I have a great connection that's in Thailand that actually, you know, they do, I see you guys have these yoga mats. Looks like you guys are selling them for 20 bucks a piece. They sell them for wholesale at five bucks. Would you want me to make that connection? Right now, now you, there's some value. Now you're offering something to them. You're helping them out. When the problem is, is all these emails that go out are all about me, me, me. Like, how can you help me? How can you help me? And so then it turns into a price thing. It's like, well, how much money can I get from you, right? And that's the other issue is pricing. I mean, how do you, you know, these days it's Walmart gives you a call and you charge them 10 grand and I'm a local company and you charge me 500 bucks. And that's a whole nother conversation. I think it's also about how much it's a transaction versus something that you personally would like to see succeed, right? I don't yeah. think any individual necessarily buys massively into you know, getting getting another 0.001% bottom line for Walmart. I don't think anybody necessarily yeah. identifies with that. Whereas if it's a, yeah. a local startup from your area, then, you know, you might be more inclined, especially if they provide value to the uh, to the audience that you serve with your content, you, you might have much more of an interest in, in helping them succeed. And then that's when that's when the magic happens. Right. Because that's when you're going to be more connected that way. You're going to say, hey, let me help you you know, grow your audience somehow. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's have you come on into the location and do a signing, like whatever that is. But that's when when it, it's not about sales. It's more about the, that you have that genuine connection. Right. Once somebody starts talking about your product and you can feel that it's genuine, that's awesome. Right. But if you if it's somebody that, you know, has this product in their hand, I've got a, a thousand different names, but I won't put anybody on blast, that they're holding this creatine product and they've got it up to them and they get, oh my God, I love this creatine. It's like, oh my God, I look at that stuff and as a marketer, I just cringe. I mean, there's no creativity there. And obviously the brand and the influencer hadn't talked about what they wanted to do. That was probably somebody that reached out to a thousand influencers, got a hundred of them involved and said, hey, post a picture similar to this. And then you have these these pictures of, you know, these these fit people that look like they're just, they don't know what to do and they're uncomfortable because they got this big thing of creatine in their hand. It just, you know, at that point you look at it and, and, you know, maybe there's some people that purchase it, but from 
a creativity standpoint, from the way I look at it, I look at that stuff and I go, ooh, God, that's bad. So, you know, you got to be a little more creative, be a little more genuine. Yeah, and I think I think uh, companies oftentimes struggle with that. So I think one that is one definitely one barrier to entry that we found with uh, with companies that say, yeah, but we've we just we learned communicating as corporate communications, and that's obviously not what you need here. Um, what what other barriers have have you encountered when working with businesses on how to get them started in the space? I think that the biggest thing and one of the, the biggest issues is just getting started, right? People just get real nervous about doing it. I mean, you know, yeah, I wouldn't recommend if you're, you know, a medium sized company and your budget's a hundred thousand that you go blow a hundred thousand on it. But there's, there's this thing called the internet. It's absolutely amazing. And there's another thing called Google. It's kind of brand new. I don't know if anybody's heard of it, but I mean, you can go and look anything up. And I, I've written probably myself, probably 40 plus articles on influencer marketing, at least where I talk about my experiences, I talk what I've done with my clients, I talk about if you, I mean, I have two that I could send over right now where you could take a look at it and that's 70% of, of what you need to do, right? I mean, there's where it explains exactly what you need to do and, and how you need to go about it, right? It talks about, like I have an ebook, it talks about the software, it talks about how do you approach them, it actually includes the pitch emails, it includes all that stuff. That is how you can get started. If you're not looking for a consultant or an agency right? Because maybe you don't have that budget. And, and if you do have the budget, then I would highly recommend using an agency, right? Myself being an agency, obviously there's quite a few agencies out there. And then also getting the right software, right? You guys being a great example of that. Like, how are you going to go find that information? Because you can go on Instagram and you can kind of piece stuff together. But I mean, what are we looking at here? How are we going to accelerate this process? If you have a budget, get an, get an agency, right? To help them with it, or at least consult you on it and have them train your team and use software like the software you guys have and put that together and go after it. It's, it's, that's the biggest thing is like just getting out there and getting your feet wet and going for it. Once again, it doesn't need to be a hundred thousand dollar campaign, spend a thousand bucks, spend $2,000 and get to better understand it. But if you want to accelerate that learning curve, once again, I would find somebody to help you to, to be able to consult you as you go through this thing. Cause there's, there's a little, you know, it's a learning curve like anything else. Like if I wanted to do pay-per-click and I just want to jump into it cold, I wouldn't recommend spending $100,000 doing that, right? You want to probably go hire somebody. Maybe you can go take a course or do some stuff. You can educate yourself up to a certain point so you, 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 know, you have enough information to be dangerous. But to me, it's just going through that first step and actually knocking it out and, and going forward and, and actually trying this thing out and educating yourself along the way. Yeah, so if, you, if you've done that and you've done the educating and you may have you know, spent a couple of hundred dollars getting yourself a tool to figure out which direction to look in and which people to uh, to potentially target how would you how would you tell them to create like a, a a safe space to get potentially the biggest win out of this small first step like what do you think the parameters for that should be yeah i think i think it really depends on i mean you know for a big it depends on what you what you consider a first big win Right. I mean, if you're looking, expectation is, is, a, is a, a big thing with this, right? Because it is the new thing that's influencer marketing. Problem is, is you read these things and they're like, hey, for every dollar you make 650, which for some of my clients that I've worked with, I mean, we, we were doing, you know, for every dollar we spent, we we're making $5. So it was awesome. But that's not always the situation. So you have to be realistic about it, right? I mean, that was a, the Zoe, once again, being that example, Zoe had an audience that she built on Instagram. From her journey, she was a runner and, and had, you know, I mean, her program was called Build a Better Booty. So you do the math on what it's about. 
but she she was a runner and had no booty. And then all of a sudden she started doing her squats and her lunges and her all this other fun stuff. And I caught her inner JLo and her inner JLo popped out and the girls went crazy. Well, this was on Instagram. I mean, they'd seen her journey, right? So what happened was she built this audience and then all of a sudden everybody said, I mean, if I want to go get the new big booty, what do I do? I need to buy Zoe's program. And, she, and so that's what she built, right? That's how that made sense because that's how she was able to, for every dollar we spent, she was making $5 or $6 because she had a very genuine audience. She built it up from the ground up and they had seen the struggles that she had went through. She had really documented that online and saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm having problems today. Man, it was so hard to work out today. Or I'm, you know, these are the problems that I have. And she was very genuine in that sense. Um, so my point of telling you that is, is that is for her, that's, you know, that the expectation she obviously we had great results with her with other brands. It really depends on what you're doing. You can't expect to just because you go spend a hundred dollars. I, I get it all day long. They'll say, hey, listen, I spent a thousand dollars on this influencer and nothing happened. OK, so what was the process? Like, what did you do? So maybe you just put up one ad. Well, let me see what the ad was like. What did you guys do to remarket afterwards? Like, what, did, what was your guys's follow up? Like, hey, if somebody came in and, and responded to you guys. How are you guys collecting that information? Like when they came to the website, what did you do? Did you offer them, you know, $10 off something or did you offer them a free download? Like, what are you doing to retain them? Because this is a valuable time. I just spent $1,000 and let's say, you know, and do we know how much traffic was driven over? So was there a thousand people driven over? Is there a hundred? Like, I don't care about the thousand or the hundred, but was it, is it people that potentially are going to buy, right? Did you guys, did you guys go after the right people? If you have a, a product that is mainly a, you know, you sell men's shoes and that's it. And you went after um, a, a gentleman that once again looked really great, you know, online, all this other stuff, had a great engaged following. You went and did it and you find out that like, you know, like Ronaldo as an example. I don't know what his breakdown is from, you know, male to female, but he's a good looking guy. So if I go and sell shoes on there and he has a 98% female following, right, that's a problem because they're not going to buy men's shoes. They might buy something for their husband, but you get my point. The idea is, is that you've got to take a look at that and you have to look at a lot of stuff about influencer marketing is that pre-planning, right? You got to go in and, and do look, do the research and really look at things. It's no different. Like with crowdfunding, crowdfunding is the same way. Like people will come to me. I used to do a lot of crowdfunding back in the day and they would come to me and say, hey, I just went live with my campaign. Um, I've got 12 days and you know, I only need a million dollars. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, I mean, first of all, I'd invest in a Bible because you're going to need to start praying because that's probably going to be the best thing we can do for you. Not really. I mean, I wasn't rude, but my point is, is like, it's that pre-planning, right? It's that getting in early, getting to know who those the influencers are and, and what were the processes before you went live with the campaign to make sure that you were prepared for that traffic that was going to be coming to your website. And 98% of the time, they, they just thought by putting a picture up there that sales would go through the roof and they didn't understand that whole process of like, hey, you need to really prep for this, right? You need to get all this stuff ready. Like if you're gonna go build a house and you need the house to be built in one week, what do you have to do? You gotta go buy everything, right? You gotta get ready, you gotta put everything out, you gotta make sure it's all there so when the contractor comes, when everybody comes and now it's ready and everybody can put the house together. And then when the house is there, there you go and you know, once again, you reap the benefits of the house. So um, I guess, I mean, I'm sure I answered your question there, but in a roundabout way, I mean, what you need to do is, is make sure that you are prepared and you're doing the right steps and and make sure you're doing that research ahead of time before you go live with any type of campaign. Well, and it sounds like part of part of what makes it a safe space or part of what makes it low risk is that you're realistic about what success looks like and that until you've got a couple of those engagements under your belt, you you might not know how that pans out for your brand or where you actually stand. Right? So if you're 
if you've got a couple of a couple of successive wins by saying, all right, well, first thing is that I want to get four people with this kind of audience to share our most recent piece of content, and that's what success looks like, then, you know, we don't need to talk about how many dollars did I get for dollars spent, but you set out to do something with influencers and it worked. And then you want to pick people to come to a feedback session on a new product and we want to get at least five people who can ask questions of their own audience to bring to the table. And that worked. So it's, yeah, it's about being prepared, but it's also about being prepared to do only the thing that you set out to do, to set that positive example and to be actually to be able to go to the board or to whoever holds the budget and go, we've learned this, we've prepared for it, and we've done it right five times. So now we want to go a little bit bigger. And, and that's exactly it. I mean, what I always tell people is that what I consider small wins, right? So you got to set KPIs up, right? So key performance indicators on what, what you're looking for, because everybody's goals are different. Like not everybody's looking for sales. Some people like Coca-Cola and obviously they're the largest brand, but being an example, they, you know, they obviously spend and they've got billions of dollars that they spend. So, I mean, they're, they're you know, they're if people you look at this, it might be a bad example, but the idea of it is what is your goal? Like they'll, They'll put up billboards and they'll do stuff just because it's brand recognition, right? They just want to be seen out there. Um, and now if you look at it from like a brand's perspective and you have to look at what are your KPIs? What do you want? What is your, what is your wins? Exactly what you had talked about. Like, what do you, what would you consider a great win? I have, this is one of the things I ask my clients is like, what would consider a good win, a great win, and then like an over the top win, right? Like, what are we looking at here? If you come to me and say, Hey, I want to go, I want to do a, a campaign with an influencer. I've got a $10,000 budget. Um, but I only want to do it with one influencer and I want to do one campaign. Well, I'm going to tell you, I think that's a bad idea, right? Because if you're saying you want to get $10,000 from in sales and you sell a $3 widget, then, you know, or the opposite, Hey, I want to get $10,000 in sales and, you know, you have a very expensive product, then, you know, what are the, what are the odds? I mean, we got to look at that kind of stuff, right? So if you set that expectation up, I mean, it's, it's foundational in what you're going to be building, right? And so if we know that, Hey, like you said, Hey, we, we just want to get, for people to reshare our content, right? That's kind of the goal because it's baby steps. Because you, what you see online is us as marketers, I talk about my wins and I talk about my losses as well. But what you have to be careful of is just because somebody got that win doesn't mean that you're going to get that win out the gate, right? And so there's the people look at that stuff. And, and I, once again, I'm really, really big on expectation of like, hey, listen, this, if you're looking for a, a, like just to blow the doors off this, like anything. I mean, if I was going to do a pay-per-click campaign, there's no guarantee that for that my first campaign that I do is gonna I'm gonna blow it out of the water, right? This is marketing. This is we're trying different things. We have a million different variables when it comes to influencers and products and all these variables and you know all this stuff when you have on the website for you know stuff that pops up and offers and all this. It's it's a game of trying different things, right? We can educate ourselves and go find the great the best influencers and make sure with our pop-ups are really good and make sure we have all this stuff in place. There's still no guarantee, but we can get closer to to a guarantee, at least where, where the KPIs, where we're, we're showing some kind of good results where we can go back to once again, the board and say, hey, you know, this is what we've done. I mean, I, I think right now, and you're going to see this here in the next year is in the past, a lot of the companies that were doing influencer marketing were just excited about doing influencer marketing, right? It's no different than social media back in the day. You go and you say, hey, XYZ, hey, board, just want to let you guys know we're doing influencer marketing. And the board looks at themselves and they kind of high five each other. God, that's awesome. Like, so what's been going on? What's happening? Like, well, we're not sure, but we're doing it. So unless you know, and they're going, God, that's exciting. I've been, it's kind of a new buzzword, this whole influencer space. 
And there's going to be points where you go back to the board and the board's going to say, well, this is awesome. And I see the money going out the door, but what are we doing? Like what we need, what, what about the money, right? Like we, what have you brought in? What's the ROI on, on these campaigns that you're doing? And that's where, you know, that, that, that's the answer that's going to need to come up here in this next year. And I think a lot of people are working on that. I mean, there's ways, coupon codes and all this other stuff. Um, but Instagram being that example, you only have one URL, right? So you have to figure out like, how are you going to, when you click on that URL, how are we going to know where that came from, right? Zoe being the example, I did 10 campaigns in a day and they were all different. One was two hours, one was five hours, one was permanent, one was in the UK, one was in Africa, and there was one in California. Like they all say, how do I know who moved the needle? And they all have different amounts of following and different demographics. Some are male, some are female, some are this, some are rich, some are poor, whatever. How do you figure that out, right, from a marketing standpoint? So that's that's the goal of, that's now what we're going to have is that we have to start becoming accountable for our campaigns and saying, hey, this wasn't like, if you're just looking for eyeballs, I can get you eyeballs. But what is your, what's your KPIs? What are you looking, what's your end goal on this thing? And that's where I think this, you know, here and here on out, they're going to have more and more people that once again want to know, like, you know, that's great. You know, the board had a budget and money was spent, but like what, what really happened with that money? Like, what do we get out of that? Like, right. So we, then that's where those reports and things are going to really come in handy. So when it comes to you know, knowing exactly what your results were. Absolutely. And I think there's, there's still massive opportunity in that though, because like you say, there are companies that just have that, that DNA of saying, Hey, there's something new and we're going to go and try it, but not every client, yeah. not every company is like that. And I see that there's a massive opportunity in the sense that having a big status quo in marketing to me, oftentimes hampers you because there is something that you need to live up to from previous things that you've done. So the Coca-Cola's of this world can almost yeah. not, not do something quietly because it wouldn't live up to all the things that they've done in the past. And marketing is an iterative discipline, right? Your context always changes and you need to iterate what you do based on that context. And I think you've got more freedom in that in influencer marketing because there's just your company might not have done that many things out there. And, and you can make use of that when you start small or when you start specific before you have to go for the, for the all in play. Well, and I agree with you. I mean, the, you know, once again, Coca-Cola, if I was to, you know, be their director of marketing or something, I mean, that would be your stress at all times, because once again, you do have to, you have to be bigger and better than yesterday. Right. So you, if you, if you're not, then there's, there's a problem there. So if you're a brand and what's cool about influencer marketing is because we're still in the infancy stages of this thing is that if I am, I'm a, a smaller brand, let's say I'm a local, whatever, like um, uh, uh, a drink, a beverage company. And I'm looking at Coca-Cola being obviously the big dog, but I can look at different things that they've done and they can talk about things that they've done and maybe I can implement that more on a local level. So, you know, like anything else, and we've seen this with startups as well, startups will go and they're like, oh, I'm not the first one to market this other company as well, but you can watch them and see what they're doing, right? And, and let them spend the money and spend the big budgets and you can go in and kind of look at some of this stuff and people like myself will go and write about, you know, what my clients have done to be successful, not be successful. Well, there's, there's huge gold there because we've spent the money. I might've spent, I mean, with Zoe, we spent six figures in three or four months, like huge money going in. And I'm talking about paying people through PayPal. This was no like platform that I was able to pay them through. I mean, this was like, I was using these things called Excel spreadsheets. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. They're, they're not really around anymore. Now there's software like you guys, 
Um, but I was like highlighting and putting arrows and, you know, I'm sure the NSA probably couldn't even translate what my Excel spreadsheets meant because they meant everything to me because it was a million people on there and what I had negotiated and where they lived and demographics. It was, um, you know, the funniest part of this whole story was, you know, obviously for influencer marketing, for e-commerce side of things and, you know, money and that kind of stuff, it's obviously around Christmas time, right? We have, you know, November and December, obviously, are the big months for people pushing out products and stuff like that. Well, you know, I was at the Christmas table texting and I was probably on these little apps that we, that everybody uses. I was sending messages. Probably, I probably had about 30 negotiations going at the Christmas table and my wife, love her to death. So baby, if you're listening to this, I want you to reiterate that I, that I do love you and I'm glad that you stayed with me. She, I thought she was going to slap me on the back of my neck because I was literally going to the bathroom like 13, 14 times because I knew that she saw me texting at the, I mean, I'm talking at Christmas table, all the families there. But I had to get it going, right? We had to get these negotiations going. So now it's easier with software because it manages, it puts it all in one place. Um, back then, it wasn't that way. I was negotiating through these apps and, you know, my wife was looking at me like, why am I even with him right now? Like, why? Other than a little bit of money he's bringing in, why am I with him at the, why he's at the dinner table with all of our family? Grandma's looking at me and judging me as I'm texting and negotiating, you know, influencer contracts. But, you know, it's it's easier these days. So if uh, if before Christmas somebody now feels moved to you know try out our tool and say you know what i i'm just gonna go for it we're gonna try this what would be three things that you think they need to do first and foremost well i think well, the first thing that i would do is obviously yeah you want to take a look at the platforms right i mean that's that's going to be how you're going to be able to to negotiate and talk with and build rapport with the influencers so you guys obviously have an eye you guys have been in the space for a long time you guys one of the originals um, and you guys have like the discovery tool and some other ones that you guys have been coming out with. So, you know, I, I would obviously take a look at you guys first, I think is a, is the first and foremost, there's other ones out there that you can take a look at as well. I mean, uh, it just depends on what you're looking for. You know, some of the things they want to, they want to ask about is how they're pulling their data. Are they scrubbing their data? You know, that kind of stuff. How, what's, what's, what are you able to do through the platform? You know, obviously you can talk to influencers, you can respond, take a look at the demo, demographic information. Can you pay them through there? Do they follow the FTC? I mean, there's, you know, there's a number of things that, that you'd have to take a look at from a platform, from a legal perspective and, and from a convenience perspective. So I would say you, you want to take a look at the platform, see what you got and you know, get a good platform. I would also say if you have the budget to get somebody to help consult you along the way, um, you know, that's one thing that I learned later on in life. I always kind of did things myself and went in real hot and heavy and would learn and, you know, spend a lot of time doing that. Um, one thing that I've learned in the last 10 years is that I, I am not shy about hiring somebody that knows something more than I do, right? That's smarter than I am in a certain um, area. And so I hire mentors and I'll hire people for a month's time to better understand how to do things. I mean, an agency can actually physically come in and do all the work for you. And if that's what you're looking for, that's awesome because there's a lot of great agencies out there. Um, but if you're looking for somebody, you know, maybe you don't have quite as much money, a consultant is a good way, once again, to, to be able to go in and say, hey, don't do that. Hey, be careful of this. Oh, you forgot to ask this. Oh, with the contract, you got to do this. Wow, they didn't put this hashtag, you know, ad next to it. So you got to be careful out with FTC. There's certain things that you want to make sure that that you're doing, because once again, it's, um, you know, influencers space is awesome. But it's a little scary if you're not doing things the right way. There's compliance and some other stuff that you want to make sure that you adhere to. Um, and I think the third thing for me would be um, I'm trying to think, yeah, I think the platforms, I think that, and then I think just doing your research, right? There's plenty of articles, there's plenty of stuff online, there's free eBooks and stuff. Just kind of educate yourself in the space so you have kind of an idea of, of what you're gonna be jumping into. 
Um, obviously, a consultant can help with that. But if you have a good knowledge of, you know, you understand, you think the industry 50, 60 percent, that's awesome. They have a consultant that will come tighten that up. Now you guys use the software to do um, outreach. Make sure your outreach emails are strong as well in the sense that they're, you know, I, I get it that people want to send these boilerplate, there's these templates. That's not a problem, but you really have to customize it. I mean, if I feel like I'm being pitched from a template, like, you know, I've been pitched many times where they put the wrong name. They're like, dear John, like, hey, we were thinking, I'm like, ah, I'm not John. So obviously I know it's a template, but you know, you, you just got to be careful with that. If you, you should spend the time, find those right influencers and then write a great, you know, it can be somewhat of a template, but you customize it for them so they can feel like they know who you are. They, they feel like you, hey, you put some time into this and that you're genuine and in that outreach. And, and then once you'll help build that rapport there through that. So in short, we're saying, Educate yourself, get some reading done. Don't be afraid to spend some of your budget on people that will know more than you and get you there faster and have a very, very good reason to text at a family dinner. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the thing. And try to keep, yeah, try to keep your wife happy. I don't know if we should put that on the list. So don't text at Christmas at the Christmas table. That's just, if there's one thing above anything that I've ever talked about, uh, the Christmas table is a sacred ground and you should not be texting and negotiating with influencers all over the world and spending thousands of dollars. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother. If you want me to do that one too, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I've got testimonials from my grandma. I mean, everything. You just let me know what you need. On that side. <laughs> Amazing. That's another Analytica podcast done this time with Shane Barker and me, Ben. Happy influencing guys.